Sunday Morning Post. Dogs by Nature Radio. From the Straight No Chaser Studios. Hey, Kevin, just given the all the unknowns of the offseason, are you, like, what are your emotions kind of that you actually made it to week one and looks like we're going to have the start of the season? You know, I get so wrapped up, Scott, in the in the week and in the process, you know, uh, it's hard for me to look too far ahead and too far behind. So I think uh, I like where we are right now. Just got off this practice field. The guys work pretty hard in, in, inside, and then we just got to dive into our preparations. This is your Sunday Morning Post on Dogs by Nature Radio. Now, here's your host, my dad, Thelonious7. A very merry football morning to you and yours from Dogs by Nature Radio. I am your host and curator, Thelonious7. Ahead on the Sunday Morning Post... We're doing everything in our power to make this show the perfect way to start your game day. We have a veritable boatload of guests who've checked in with us at the Straight No Chaser studio, and they will be here to break down the games of importance for us on our Focus on 5. And of course, the last game of our focus is always about the Cleveland Browns. And for that segment, we have a couple of keynote guests to help us break down the matchups. We call that the Browns Showdown. But before we get to that, we're talking about your Cleveland Browns and their three most important narratives going into this contest. We could have gone a lot of different ways with the three major storylines going into this contest, particularly with the outside noise narrative in a story number two. But in honor of hashtag team keep it clean, we're going to keep it in the coach's realm. And so the first narrative is going to be about the difference that a year makes. There is a lot of anticipation in Cleveland, but it's nothing compared to the hype of last season. Last year, we waited for week one with far more anticipation, only to get gut punched by our own Mike Frabel. Listen to holdover special teams coach Mike Prefer talk about the difference between the attitude of last year's team and this year's. What differences have you seen uh, between last year's team and this team at this point in the year? Well, I think it's way too early, Nick, to tell. Um, you know, last year we had higher expectations coming out, and I think that was more media-driven. Um, this year, maybe not as much, but we expect to be good. You know, we expect to go out there and play hard. Uh, we expect on special teams to to uh, score, set up scores in the return game, to give our defense great field position in the, in the coverage phases, score when we need to on field goal, and you know, force or, or block a kick on, on on you know punt return, punt block, field goal block. You know. As far as special teams are concerned, I think we should be better. I thought we did some good things in the coverage phases last year. We need to be better in the return game, which is why, you know, JoJo's here and hopefully we'll block better than we did a year ago. We still got to play penalty free. We can't, we can't, uh, you know, we got to be more disciplined than we were at certain times last year. So, you know, we have ways to go on special teams and that's, that's the way I look at it, to be quite honest with you, Nick. Um, it is too hard to tell right now as a team, but I like our team. I like our guys. I think we got a good group. We got a good locker room and, and we got a good coaching staff. And let's go win a bunch of games, we hope. Prefer's words reflect that controlled anticipation as opposed to the unbridled one from the previous regime. And I am more than excited to see the true dog that Kevin Stefanski is cloaking in this Sunday's contest. I'm definitely watching to see his game day demeanor, how he looks when he's leading, how he acts when they fall behind, if they fall behind. 
I really feel that Kitchen struggled, I'll put that mildly, <laughs> with some nonverbal cues. I'm sure that Kevin will be much more measured. With Kitchens, the team was so inconsistent because he routinely missed those details. Stefanski's not one to take details for granted. Our second story is about the Browns' new offense, and we now know that Kevin Stefanski will be calling his own plays. You don't get the feeling that he's going to be overwhelmed by this proposition. Listen to him talk about what this offense is good at doing going into the 2020 season. Hey, Coach, how good of a feel right now do you have on, on kind of where everybody fits in the offense? And is there just stuff you can't know until you get out there on the field and play real games? Pretty good feel, Dan, I, I, what we potentially can be good at. Uh, we can only play one game this week, and then we've got to play another one the next week. So it, it evolves. Uh, the game plans call for certain personnels one week, a different personnel the next week. So I just think it's evolving, but I do think as a staff, we have a pretty good idea of what our strengths are. Now listen to him talk about and cover his weaknesses. Confidence level with Jedrick going into this matchup, given there was no preseason? I would tell you it's the same level of every single one of our rookies. You know, they haven't played in an NFL game yet. And uh, that's just the nature of the beast. And uh, I haven't coached an NFL game yet either. So when you put the game plan together, do you make a concerted effort to say, okay, we got to help this guy, whether it's chipping or sliding the protection? I think you do that every week, Scott, truly with at every position. You, you look at matchups and, and you figure out the best way to attack the opposing defense or opposing offense. The demeanor of Stefanski is so different than what we've seen in, in the last year or so. I can't wait to see how this team reacts under the new coach's leadership. We heard from Prefren Stefanski, but now we need to find out about that Joe Woods defense. He checked into a media Zoom conference and once again did not disappoint. What are the challenges in preparing for Lamar Jackson? <laughs> you guys have any ideas? Um, <laughs> no, it's a it's a very uh, different offense, and I think it's uh, he makes everything go. Um, you know, they're big up front, they're physical, they can knock you off the ball. Um, so they can run the ball downhill at you. Um, then obviously they can get on the edge. And if you do everything right, you still got to tackle. So that's that's the problem. And they really limit what you're, what you're trying to do defensively because all the different things they do. Joe Wood seems that he's in his own skin, but he definitely knows what he's trying to accomplish. You know, for us, it's just what's the best team we can put together. So it's not really about who we're playing because these teams are, there's different challenges and week to week in the NFL it always comes down to matchups can you win your one-on-one so we want to have you know athletic players but at the same time we want you know football players that have high football IQ that can play fast on the on the field um, so that's really first and foremost what we look for and hopefully do our job right we put together good defense but in general is your philosophy that speed is the way to go whenever possible absolutely we're going to see if that speed is enough to keep up with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense. Well, my name is Elonia Seven. You're listening to the Sunday Morning Post on Dogs by Nature Radio. Back with your focus on five after a quick break. Sunday Morning Post. We'll focus on five games of importance for your Cleveland Browns. We're going to hear fans from both sides talk about the contest. And then we can make a prediction as well. And as always, the fifth game 
is always your Brown Showdown. And this week, we have a couple of mats on the program to help us get an idea of what we're expecting in the first game of our 2020 season. But before we get to that, let's start with game one of our focus. In game one of our focus on five, we have the Chargers traveling to Northern Kentucky in a battle that was set to debut two rookie first round quarterbacks. That won't be the case on Sunday as the Chargers are starting our old buddy Tyrod Taylor. Let's check in with Sunday Morning Post correspondent Bengal Jim to get the latest on what Bengals fans are expecting in this contest. This is Bengal Jim from Cincinnati, Ohio for the Focus on Five. So the Los Angeles Chargers come to Cincinnati this weekend to take on uh, our Cincinnati Bengals at Paul Brown Stadium. Uh, Look for Joe Mixon uh, to be the feature of that offense. Uh, Joe Burrow is going to have a good day, but I really truly believe that that Joe Mixon will be getting a ton of carries out of that backfield, a lot of screen passes, swing passes, uh, those type of things. Joe Burrow will have a day and be the Bengals' offensive MVP Sunday. Um, I do think the Bengals' offensive weapons take pressure off Joe Burrow, and the offensive line does an adequate job. Um, and the Bengals' defense will close be close to dominating this game, in my opinion. Look for Carlos Dunlap uh, to tie the franchise sack record in this game. He needs two to tie Eddie Edwards for the all-time sack lead in franchise history. I do believe the Cincinnati Bengals defensive line is better than the Chargers defensive line, which is the strength of their team. Uh, The Bengals take this game 24-14, start the year 1-0, and then head up north to play the city up north for the Thursday night showdown for the Battle of Ohio. Reporting from Cincinnati, Ohio, this is Bengal Jim for the Focus on 5. Who day? Bengal Jim once again ending his report in the spirit of Sam Weish. But that's probably customary in Northern Kentucky. Uh, Before that, I have to admit it was a decent report. So thank you, Bengal Jim, for that. And for the record and complaints, he can be found at Bengal Jim underscore BTR on Twitter. So to help us understand the Chargers perspective on this upcoming contest, we've turned to Ryan of the LAFB. What's up, NFL fans? It's Ryan Dyer of the LA Football Network, LAFBnetwork.com, with your Chargers report as they travel to Cincinnati to face the Bengals. Three major narratives to look for. The quarterback position. No more Phillip Rivers. This is now Tyrod Taylor's team until rookie Justin Herbert can take over. The running back position. Melvin Gordon, also gone. Austin Eckler steps in as a starter with Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson to aid him as a three-headed attack. Derwin James, arguably the best safety in the league, down for the entire season. So who steps up in his stead? We'll see Nasir Adderley, second yard of Delaware, and Rayshon Jenkins back there, plus a little heavy dosage of Desmond King as he can kind of play all over the field. Going to be a good game, though. Joe Burrow's first start as a rookie. I do like the Chargers in this game, though. No fans in the stands, so Joe will not be able to play off that momentum of home field. And I like how the Chargers can implement the running game with these three backs. Uh, Shane Steichen, offensive coordinator, and Anthony Lynn will really keep Tyrod Taylor moving around a lot and throw uh, the Bengals defense off balance. And that'll open up some of the deep passing games for Mike Williams if he is able to go as he's nursing an AC joint. So I like the Chargers in this one by a final score of 24 to 10 and start their season off 1-0. Once again, this is Ryan Dybert reporting from the LA Football Network. For your Sunday morning post. Ryan, thank you so much for that report. As of now, the Browns are scheduled to have 6,000 fans in attendance for their home game against the Bengals on Thursday. I think the Bengals will have the same deal for this game. The attendance will be light. 
think there's going to be some crowd noise, but, but that certainly won't be the home field advantage that we're accustomed to. And it's tough to pick a rookie in his first NFL start to win a game. But then you see his opponent is Tyrod Taylor. I don't think that guy scores more than 10 to 17 points on a good day. So unless that Chargers defense shows up overwhelmingly, picking the team from Northern Kentucky to win this game in a low-scoring 13-10 affair. That game, a 1 o'clock start, so we'll be keeping our eye on that one as we watch our game this week as well. So now on to Game 2. Game 2 in the Focus on 5 is an NFC West showdown as the Arizona Cardinals soar on over the Bay Area Blue Jeans to take on the 1849ers. Second-year signal caller Kyler Murray looks to improve upon his rookie campaign, and he'll have to face a brutal test right off the bat. Let's check in with Johnny Touchdown of the Revenge of the Birds podcast to see how he envisions this upcoming contest. Hello, this is John Venerable, a.k.a. Johnny Touchdown of the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Also, check us out on revengeofthebirds.com. And I'm here to break down this Sunday's contest between the visiting Arizona Cardinals and the defending NFC champion San Francisco 49ers coming into this game. Arizona has retooled both their offense and defense with the additions of DeAndre Hopkins, Isaiah Simmons defensively. And the San Francisco 49ers have been through a little bit of turmoil recently when it comes to injuries specific to the receiving core. And then just a bunch of departures in the offseason, most notably DeForest Buckner. I think the biggest takeaway from this game will be how will the Cardinals be able to block up front on both lines of scrimmage. San Francisco has the edge on their offensive-defensive line. But I do think Arizona, with the improved receiving core with the aforementioned Hopkins, Kenyon Drake for a full 16-game slate, just year two in Kingsbury's system, I think they're going to be able to put up points, but can Vance Joseph's much maligned defense with the additions of a Simmons, a Jordan Phillips, Devondre Campbell, Drake Kirkpatrick, can this team stop them enough for them to be able to squeak out a victory? I think they can. I think San Francisco loses to the visiting Cardinals 32-27 in week one, and the Cardinals move to 1-0. Check us out, revengeofthebirds.com, at Johnny Touchdown. We'll see you next week. So at Johnny Touchdown of the Revenge of the Birds podcast, feeling very optimistic about his chance of the Arizona visiting team doing some damage in San Francisco. Let's hear what the guys from the Muff podcast think about that. Hey guys, we're the Muff Podcast, and we're here to focus on the 49ers versus Cardinals matchup. So, a couple narratives to look out for, guys. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the Kittle Kittle destroyer Isaiah Simmons. You know, that, that's him self-proclaimed. I just want to see him versus Kittle because I don't think he can cover Kittle, especially coming into a league in his first year. So, I want to see Kittle uh, break his ankles. Hopefully, is what I'm looking forward to. That's yeah, that's gonna be interesting. I'm more so going for the Niners D-line always had trouble with Kyler Murray and just mobile quarterbacks in general. So it's going to be, I, I mean, really, if you're going to look down to two guys, Nick Bosa versus Kyler Murray, who's going to win that matchup could be, you know, key contributor to who wins the game. Yeah. And I'm going to go 49ers wide receivers who are currently kind of banged up versus, uh, what's the other, other team? The DBs. The, right. Yeah, DBs, because, you know, Pat Pete, Byron Murphy, we'll see. All right. Buda Baker. Yeah, Buda 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 Buda, sorry. George Kittle's son. <laughs> Anyways, what do you guys think is going to happen in the game? Aaron, you go first. 
Um, I mean, this was a close matchup last year. I mean, uh, I would, I'm going to go with the Niners, but like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals upset the Niners, if I'm being honest with you. So, yeah, I'm going to go Niners. Let's just say Niners 31, Cardinals 27. Solid score. I'm going to go something more interesting. You know, we got the fog right now. Maybe the ball doesn't spin as much. You know, I don't think it's going to be as high scoring. Mm. I'm going to go 24-21. I'm with you, Aaron. The Cardinals have always been really close. I'm still going to go with the Niners winning. But uh, the Cardinals have always, you know, been really close to the Niners, especially with Kyler Murray. All right. You guys went relatively low scoring compared to me. I have Jimmy G gunslinging, Kyler gunslinging, everybody gunslinging. And uh, fog, Jimmy fog. G. Yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter, man. Jimmy G, gonna, Jimmy G and his offense are going to drop 38. Kyler's going to drop 31, 38-31, 49ers. Yeah. And that was the Muff Podcast reporting from the Bay Area. And this is the Focus on 5. See ya. Thank you, gentlemen. They can be found at The Muffed on Twitter. They have a website and a YouTube channel. Definitely check that stuff out. We have a split decision from the fans again. And I think Kyler Murray is the better of the two quarterbacks in this contest. But I'm going to have to go with the defending NFC champions and take the 1849ers at home. We're going with 20-17 to for the 1849ers out on the West Coast. And with that, we'll move on to Game 3 and our Focus on 5. Game three in our focus on five has the Philadelphia Eagles making their way down I-95 to our nation's capital to take on the nameless franchise. That game has a one o'clock start and features a matchup between second year signal caller Dwayne Haskins and former second overall pick Karsten Wentz. Let's hear from Rodney of the football team addicts as he lets us know how fans are viewing their season opener. What's up, football fans? This is Rodney from Redskins Axe for the focus on the Washington football team versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Here are three major narratives for this contest. First, what will the identity of the Washington football club be? Will Coach Rivera have this team take on a new persona, or will they remain the team of old, instilling absolutely no fear into their opponents? Second, Dwayne Haskins' offseason has been historic. Will he embrace the newly acquired captain nomination and put this team on his back as a legitimate franchise quarterback? And third, the running back room is inexperienced but features agile and speedy runners in Gibson, McKissick, and Love. Will they be able to create mismatches for the Eagles' defense? If so, the Washington football team has a chance. Here's the expected storylines for Sunday. First, Chase Young will expose Jason Peters for the aging turnstile he has become and route to three quarterback pressures, one and a half sacks, and four tackles for loss. Monster game. Second, rookie running back Antonio Gibson is going to torch the Eagles and finish the game with over 130 all-purpose yards. Third, third-year player Troy Apke will prove to the Eagles and the world that his promotion to starting free safety is warranted and he's ready to play ball. My prediction for final score, Washington football team 34, Eagles 14. Come check out the Redskins Addicts on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to your podcast. Reporting from the nation's capital by way of Lansing, Kansas, this is Redskins Addicts for the Focus on 5. Incredible job out of the D.C. community. Thanks for that, Rod. Although that final score, I wonder what our guys from All About the Birds are going to have to say about that. Hello and good morning. This is Johnny Uleka of All About the Birds with your Eagles Focus on 5. The biggest question mark going into Sunday's matchup with Washington is Lane Johnson's health. And if he cannot go, you're going to be relying on Matt Pryor or rookie Jack Driscoll. And the Eagles offensive line with Andre Dillard and Brandon Brooks out for the season have already been shuffling around. 38-year-old Jason Peters will be taking the left tackle position back 
um, to begin the season. And really, what will the Eagles' offense look like? You know, Jalen Rager will be playing. You're, you have a healthy Deshaun Jackson. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey is a few weeks away, but you have Ertz and Goddard and Miles Sanders, Greg Ward. You do have the the recipe to be explosive, and it's what Doug Peterson wants to do. And I think that they can do that, especially attacking a secondary with Washington that really is not that strong. And, you know, the Eagles also have secondary issues as well with some injuries, but the main thing is they're going to have a guy in Darius Slay that's going to be able to contain Washington receiver Terry McLaurin, who lit up the Eagles secondary last year, going over 250 yards, two touchdowns, and if they can do that and get in the the face of Dwayne Haskins, it could be a recipe for success on Sunday, and that is my expectation, is that the Eagles are going to be able to get pressure on Haskins. They're going to be able to stop the running game of Washington, who recently released Adrian Peterson. So it's just a running back by committee. And the Eagles, Eagles run defense is very good. So they're going to be able to stop the run, be able to make plays on offense. And my expectation is the Eagles come out 1-0 and um, Sunday at the score of 31-17. to And once again, this is Johnny Oleka reporting from All About the Birds with your... Sunday morning, focus on five. Go birds! <laughs> nice job, Johnny. And Rod, too. I, I actually don't really know where to go in this NFC East matchup early in the season. These two teams are in our focus on five because we face Washington in week three. Honestly, this is the NFC East. I don't really know what to expect from either one of these teams. So I'm going to go with the Eagles in a close game on the road. I'm taking the Eagles 23-20, but I wish I had more confidence in that pick. But I guess we will see. (laughs) Well, on to game four. Game four in our focus on five has the Steelers traveling to the Meadowlands to take on the New York Giants in the first Monday night contest of the season. Lots to look forward to in this contest, including the inaugural episode of the Joe Judge Experience. To hear what Giants fans are talking about ahead of this contest, we've reached out again to the cranky fan and football grump of the Just Giants podcast. Hi, this is the football grump. This is the cranky fan. And we're the hosts of the Just Giants podcast here to take you through week one Giants versus Steelers. This has been an offseason like no other, and uh, the Giants are playing catch-up for a team in the middle of a rebuild. And, you know, now we have a whole new coaching staff, and we really need to see what their stamp on the team is going to be like, again, with no no perception from the fan base or, or outside reporters. We don't know much about Joe Judge. He's never been a head coach, uh, and he comes from the New England Patriots. We are very secretive in the way they work anyway so it is just a mystery to us as it probably is to other teams. Daniel Jones is in his second year his second head coach second offensive coordinator and doing it in an offseason where he had very limited contact with the coaches and reps so that's we'll be looking to see what his development is to this point. How this game we think it's going to go um you know, I, I think the Giants' defense surprises a little bit with their pressure. Uh, the Steelers have some injuries up on their offensive line. But uh, ultimately, I think I think it's going to be a struggle for a very young team who has not worked together much under a completely new coaching staff for the first time with no preseason or anything whatsoever. I think it's going to be a common theme around the league. You know, this is the first week. A lot of teams have had no preseason. 
Uh, the teams that are very young and have had no new coaching staffs are going to struggle. I think you'll see low scoring around the league, a lot of sloppiness, and the Giants will be one of those. I predict they will lose a very ugly game. I'm going to say lose 19 to 10. And I think they're going to lose 27 to 23. Reporting from the New York City area, this is Grump and the Cranky Fan for the Focus on Five. Our podcast is the Just Giants podcast. I appreciate the honesty and self-reflection of the Cranky Fan and the Football Grump. And once again, they deliver a superb representation out of the New York area. So let's hear from Vince of the Steelers Devoted Podcast to see how the fans from Northeast West Virginia are feeling about this contest. Hey, this is Vince Paparella of the Steelers Devoted Podcast. Uh, the three major narratives for the Steelers versus the Giants on Monday Night Football. Number one, of course, is Big Ben. You know, we've had a, it's been almost a year actually since Big Ben has last uh, been on the professional, been on you know NFL field and been in a professional game. So, are there going to be any concerns uh, with his elbow? Is his elbow going to hold up? You know, if he takes a big hit on his right side, you know, are there going to be any repercussions? I'm sure Pittsburgh would collectively hold his breath uh, when that does happen. Number two is the defense. You know, the defense had a almost historic year last year with the amount of turnovers they were able to force and create. So, you know, can they get close to that success last year? I don't think anybody expects them to repeat that success of last year. But they are, in my mind, a top-five defense, and they should be able to live up uh, to that reputation starting in Week 1 against the Giants. For my final score prediction, um, I predict that the Steelers will be the Giants 28-14. to I think the uh, Giants' offensive tackle uh, on the, both sides, honestly, will struggle against T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree. I think they'll have quite a day. I think the defense will have quite a day in general. So, I'm, once again, the final score, 28-14 uh, in favor of the Steelers. That might include a defensive touchdown. Unfortunately, I have to agree with Vince here. Uh, the Steelers are a six-point favorite, and I'm pretty sure they cover this margin and then some. But definitely keeping a close eye on Joe Judge and the Giants in this contest. We'll be back with Game 5, our Brown Showdown, right after this commercial break. You're listening to the Sunday Morning Post. I'm your host, Thelonious 7, on Dogs by Nature Radio. In Game 5 of the Focus on 5, your Cleveland Browns brave their way into the dark of the Mid-Atlantic region to battle the boys from the Crab Cake Capital. Joining us as our Browns representative is Matt Bruning. Matt is a Browns fan and an Ohio guy. He is the Debbie team lead for DynastyNerds.com. He's the host of the Fantasy Football Roundtable podcast as well as the Back Row Browns podcast. Hey everybody, this is Matthew Bruning. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter and I am here to focus on the Cleveland Browns. Matt Bruning, great to have you here. Welcome to Dogs by Nature Radio. So, to provide some Ravens contrast, we reached out for a second time to Matt Jurgensen. As listeners to the preseason programming know, Jurgensen is a Maryland sports fan who makes his thoughts known on the at Be More Sports Pub. He was fantastic in the preseason. We're fortunate to have him here to help us with these matchups. Hi, this is Matt Jurgensen, and I'm the co-host of the Baltimore Blitz, a Ravens podcast, and you can find it on www.baltimoresportspub.com, as well as Apple Podcasts. 
you have a strange way of referring to the crab cake capital. Nevertheless, it is an honor to have you in studio. And we're going to kick it off to you first. How do you feel about Jackson and the Ravens offense coming into this contest? In 2019, the Baltimore Ravens decided to do something innovative and creative, and it paid off. They led the league in points, they had an incredibly potent rushing attack, and it was led by a very unique talent in what would become the MVP, Lamar Jackson. So what will Jackson be able to do for an encore? This offense became the first in modern NFL history to average 200 rushing yards and 200 passing yards per game. The running back core of the Ravens is an embarrassment of riches. It's led by veteran Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, and Justice Hill. And of course, they were able to add Buckeye product J.K. Dobbins to that mix. The offensive line is still intact in what was you know, ranked by PFF as one of the best in the league. They lost Hall of Famer Marshall Yonda, but it looks like either DJ Fluker or rookie Tyree Williams will most likely fill the void left behind. The biggest weakness for the Ravens has to be in the wide receiver core. Uh, they have the lowest production in the league, but the hope is that Marquise Hollywood Brown will be able to become the number one receiver that Lamar Jackson needs, and that second-year player Miles Boykin will be the big-body possession receiver they need in the red zone. Mark Andrews, the tight end, remains the team's top target, and he battled injuries through much of the year, and the hope is he will be poised for a breakout season. You wonder a team that used the pistol formation and three tight ends so much, will they add some different wrinkles to this scheme that was very fun and exciting to watch and put up points almost at will? Wow. There are no questions about the formidability of the Ravens offense. So let's see what Matt Bruning has for a Cleveland response. For the Browns defense, it's simple to say that they need to try and stop Lamar Jackson. Last year in week three, having Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon both healthy and rushing on the outsides and keeping Lamar Jackson contained in the pocket helped them limit him to 66 yards rushing. On top of that, if they're able to put pressure on him up the middle from Sheldon Richardson and Larry Ogunjobi, it will help him have to force the ball down the field passing. That's where Sion Takitaki comes in. On the linebacking course, he's going to have to slow down Mark Ingram in the running game as if Lamar Jackson can't get it going they will likely lean on Ingram that will then lead to the secondary having to slow down obviously the big names in Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews Marquise Hollywood Brown I would like to see Denzel Ward on him with some kind of bracket coverage over top to slow him down so he doesn't burn as deep that, of course, will leave a tough matchup with Mark Andrews. My guess would be it'll be Terrence Mitchell or possibly Carl Joseph trying to cover him. They will need to try and limit him as much as possible if the Browns want a chance to win this game. Getting key turnovers or stops will help the Browns be in better field position. If the Ravens defense is able to slow the Browns down, special teams will be huge as we will need the Scottish Hammer to flip the field, as they say, on the Baltimore Ravens offense, forcing them to have long drives to, again, hopefully slow them down. Excellent work from Bruning. And with that, we are going to flip the field. We're going to start with the Ravens defense before finishing up with the Browns offense. So, Mr. Jurgensen, how do the Ravens limit the Browns on offense? Last season, the Ravens struggled in defending against the run. They were 21st in the league and gave up 4.4 yards per carry. And anyone who watched games against the Titans and against these Cleveland Browns in week three know that they struggled against the run. So what did they do? They went out and signed Derek Wolf and Calais Campbell. 
Campbell is probably going to be the biggest acquisition, not just because of his play, but because of his leadership skills. The secondary for Baltimore is a huge strength. They gave up 77 yards a game in pass defense and are led by two bookend cornerbacks in Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. The issue, of course, is in uh, the safety position. Earl Thomas is gone. Uh, some maybe were surprised by Baltimore's willingness to make the move to part ways with him, but he just never fit in. Freelance too much, didn't provide the commitment that they were looking for, and he's out the door. He's a top player. It'll be interesting to see if Deshaun Elliott can step in and take his spot. The Ravens continue to generate pressure. Don Martindale blitzes five or more rushers more than anyone in the league at about 56%. That means a lot of times they're going to be in the nickel and as well as man coverage. It'll also be interesting to see if the uh, young additions of Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison in the middle of the defense will be able to prove uh, to be effective as they look to halt the uh, many weapons that Cleveland has at their disposal. Thank you for that, Mr. Jurgensen. And now we hear from Matt Bruning about those weapons on the Cleveland Browns offense. For the Browns offense, I think this game relies clearly on three players for me. Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, and Odell Beckham Jr. Before we get to those three, though, we do need to say that the offensive line is going to have to be huge here. The Ravens added Calais Campbell, who's going to be another force on that very strong defensive line. They will be getting after Baker in this run game all game long. Last year, Baker thrived in his rookie season and at times last year on the pass, play action pass, and getting out of the pocket. I do think that Kevin Stefanski is going to do that this year with him and allow him to do that. That should provide him some success in getting out of the pocket and trying to hit guys like Odell and Jarvis Landry who need to find ways to get open. Odell struggled last year against Marlon Humphreys in both games. He needs to come through in this one. I do think they need to rely heavily on Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. In that game again, week three last year, where they were able to beat Baltimore, it was because they did not give up on the run, and Nick Chubb broke through and got his. If Nick Chubb can do that, the Browns should have a big game here this Sunday. Wow, this is really nice work from both of our contributors here. After listening to the dialogue, I'm even more convinced that this matchup is going to be epic this year, and possibly for years to come. So, we'll get to the predictions on the way out with Matt Jurgensen starting first. What do you think happens, and what do you think is the final score of this contest? Even though there won't be any fans in the stands in Baltimore, um, it still is exciting to know that football is back and hopefully back to stay. I think this is one of the more intriguing matchups of Week 1, and it features two what I think should be exciting offenses. So I'm expecting a high-scoring game. Uh, I've got the Ravens 31-24. I expect a lot of mistakes and a lot of penalties, but still, it should be fun watching two teams battle against each other as they look to see who can take control of the AFC North. So Matt Jurgensen predicting a Ravens victory at 31-24. Let's hear what Bruning has to say about that. This may be a homer call, but I'm buying all in on this new offense and defense that the Browns have came brought over with Kevin Stefanski and Joe Woods. I think the Browns are going to be able to run the ball, keep the ball away from Lamar Jackson, and the defense is going to make the one stop needed to end up allowing the Browns to win this game. I'm calling for a 24-21 win in Baltimore for the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> wow, no surprises. A split decision from our guests. Not really sure which way to go. Before I get back with my prediction, I first wanted to thank 
Matt Jurgensen, for coming on the show. Matt, appreciate having you here. Uh, again, this is Matt Jurgensen, co-host of the Baltimore Blitz, which you can find at www.baltimoresportspub.com. And uh, happy football, everybody. Enjoy. He can be found at Matt Jurgs on Twitter. Thank you so much, Matt Jurgensen, for coming into the Straight No Chaser Studios. And Matt Bruning, we appreciate you stopping by as well. This is Matt Bruning. You can find me on Twitter at SportsFanaticMB. I am the host of the Fantasy Football Roundtable podcast, the Back Row Browns podcast, and the senior writer and Debbie team lead for Dynasty Nerds. Outstanding work by both Matthews, as well as all of the contributors for the Focus on Five. And now for my prediction... I've been drinking the Kool-Aid the Browns have been serving for as long as I can remember. But this is the first time that I can remember feeling the way that I do about this team right now. I don't think that the Ravens are expecting the Browns. And I think that the Browns are going to absolutely shock the Ravens. The Ravens might think that they're going to follow the old script, which is to trail early and come back on the Browns. Until they look up at this man, the fourth, and realize they're no longer king of the north. Picking the Browns to win 27-20, and with that, we'll put this one in the books. Thank you for making Dogs by Nature Radio a part of your weekend. Well, you've been listening to the Sunday Morning Post. I'm your host, Thelonious 7, on Dogs by Nature Radio. Take care and go Browns.